Tasha TV Sports Tasha Jerry Podcast is back. The first edition of the inaugural NFL Awards Podcast. We've got J Rob with us, talker of the Tuesday morning flips, Friday stock lock, our go to NFL guy, and covering the season like no other since the NFL season has ended. We're here to present some worthy participants their duly deserved NFL awards for the season. Dude, yeah, we got 17 awards, some good, some bad, some just outright funny ones, and we're going to be uh, dishing out each award. But uh, before we get started here, J-Rob, welcome back for the annual award show, my guy. Welcome back. Jerry's on peyote. It's only like 13 awards. I don't care. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to dive into things quickly here. Um, boys, I mean, it, it was a memorable NFL season. Uh, and I think we have a lot of things to touch on, uh, but... We're going to kick things off. We're going to get straight into it here uh, with a personal favorite award, the Anthony Lynn Memorial Head-Scratching Moment of the Year. So if you'll recall, if you may have been reading the Tuesday Morning Blitz this year, Anthony won this weekly award three times for just being a complete and total, I would just say, uh, a bit of a moron at times. And I love him, uh, but he made some questionable decisions. So here we go. The nominees we have... The Cowboys fake punt on Thanksgiving. They ran a reverse to one of the gunners, and it was fourth and ten, one possession game deep in their own territory, and he took the ball 14 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Surprisingly, this fake punt did not work, and the Cowboys lost by 24 points. Number two, we have Greg Williams, a.k.a. the notorious Dr. Heat, sending the house against the Raiders with eight seconds left in the game, up by four, uh, so and it was at midfield. So basically, all the Raiders could beat them with was a touchdown. Greg Williams said, you know what? I'm going to send seven pass rushers here and leave Henry Ruggs, whose only route is a go route, one-on-one, and he scored a touchdown, and they lost. Then the tables got turned. The Raiders blew the end of a game against Miami, where first they kicked a field goal when they should have uh, probably tried to go for a touchdown. They kneeled on the ball at the one-yard line. Then, with 25 seconds left and the Dolphins needing a field goal to come back and take the win, they commit a face mask penalty on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they fail to guard the sideline 25 yards downfield. Um, Just not a great situation, and it ends up being about a 45-yard field goal, and they lose, and that eliminated them from playoff contention. Next, we had the Chargers fire drill. This was another personal favorite. Uh, Right around the end of the season, Anthony Lynn had already told his team, quote, we probably aren't going to play for much this year. So that wasn't ideal. And then at the end of the half, they had a third and one. They ran the ball up the gut, did not get it. Half the team thought they got it and tried to get on the ball so they could spike it. The other half of the team started to run off the field. The field goal unit starts to come on. They end up snapping a ball for a field goal at the buzzer with 16 people on the field. Just a phenomenal moment. And lastly, we have a personal favorite from the college ranks, Penn State, their first game of the season against Indiana, up by one, under the two minutes, no timeouts left for Indiana. The running back carries the ball for a first down inside the five. All he has to do is go down, and the game is literally over. He goes into the end zone. Penn State doesn't go for two. Indiana comes back, scores, gets two, wins in overtime. So those are our nominees. Good scratching moment of the year. J-Rob, with all due respect to Greg Williams, Dr. Heat, blowing that game. And, of course, the Raiders, the face mask on Patrick. God, that was just classic Raiders. This has got to go to my boy Mike McCarthy in Dallas 
running a fake punt from his own 20 on Thanksgiving for everyone to watch. Come on, man. What are you doing? That just makes me scratch my head. Like you're running a fake punt in a divisional game that you absolutely need to win from your own 20 doing some sort of reverse bullshit that is never going to work. My vote is for Mike McCarthy, Cowboys fake punt on Thanksgiving. Yeah, see, I sense some bitterness from Tosh there, uh, ex-Packers coach, trying to give him the award. But no, I got to go Dr. Keith, Greg Williams. How could you not? I mean, we know looking back at it, the Jets were trying to win this season, uh, and they weren't trying to throw that game. Like, it would have made way more sense if they were trying to throw that game. But uh, how could you not put anybody back deep? Like, you don't send the house ever, and you decide to do it in that situation, and you're trying to win? That's the stupidest, dumbest play call of all time. You deserve to get fired after that week. He rightfully did. That's the dumbest play of the year for sure. That's a pretty good, I mean, they're both phenomenal nominees. They all are. Uh, Dr. Heat has to still take award award home for me with all due apologies to Mike McCarthy. Uh, and again, Mike McCarthy was fourth and 10. So that really just adds to how horrendous it was. But with Dr. Heat, they did something that was literally unprecedented in football history. They sent a blitz of at least five pass rushers on a Hail Mary, which there have been about 300 such situations in the NFL since Next Gen Stats started looking at those uh, types of things. And that was the first time it had ever happened. So, uh, I mean, usually teams will put, like, you know, whoever their tallest receiver is back there to be an extra safety. They'll do literally – I mean, they they know exactly where the ball is going. And Greg Williams should have known exactly where that ball was going. And he just got caught in his, his old ways. And he's he's really earned this award. Congrats to our friend, Dr. Heat. <laughs> Congrats to Greg Williams for winning the Anthony Lynn Memorial Head Scratching Moment of the Year Award. Uh, we would pr- like to present him that award. Uh, let's go to award number two, gentlemen. We've got the Peyton Manning Award going to the quarterback who clearly needs to retire. You all remember Peyton Manning, 2015 Super Bowl, uh, the one that Von Miller won him. He got benched for Brock Osweiler in the middle of the year. He could barely throw a 15-yard out, and uh, and he was just so bad that it was clear he needed to retire. So we decided to uh, name an award after him. And uh, candidate number one for this award is Big Ben Roethlisberger, who threw four interceptions in in the uh, home playoff game against the Cleveland Browns. He looks like he's 50 pounds overweight. His arm motion is so slow. He's a shell of himself. Big Ben clearly needs to retire. You've got Drew Brees, who is equally as bad in the playoffs uh, this year, throwing multiple picks against Tampa Bay. And... uh, he he could be, he can't even get through the season. He couldn't even get through last season. Uh, this guy's got a noodle arm, if I've ever seen one. Clearly needs to go. Cam Newton, who threw a total of eight touchdowns. Speaking of two Pats fans here, I know you guys had seen enough of Cam Newton. If Belichick and McDaniel's can't make him good, I don't know who can. This guy's really fall falling pieces. He's not a quarterback. Maybe line him up at tight end or running back and he'd be a better player but quarterback cam newton needs to go you've got alex smith who's playing with a rod in his leg his leg looks like it got blown up from a military bomb i mean this dude i don't know if you guys have seen his leg but god that's gruesome and uh lastly you've got nick Foles, who the bears traded for he was going to fix their issues at quarterback he's going to bring them home super bowl like he did in philadelphia and this dude absolutely sucked 
and he made Mitch Trubisky look like Tom Brady out there. So my vote is for Big Ben as he threw four interceptions in his last game. And I think, you know, if you're throwing four interceptions in your last game, you need to retire. So, uh, J-Rob, who, who do you got here? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to operate under the assumption that this is a washed quarterback award, not a I'm too injured to keep playing or I just kind of had a, a precipitous fall from grace, but I'm still like 32 years old. So for that, I mean, and, and with Breeze, I'm assuming he's going to retire unless something really stupid happens. He's going to leave them in cap hell either way. But if he sticks around, holds up that offense for one more year, keeps throwing wobblers over the middle to Michael Thomas, getting him hurt, then I'm going to be really upset. So uh, with all that said, I think the only nominee that's still left over is, like you said, Big Ben. And it's been tough to watch in some ways. He's obviously had a great career. He's the only one on here who's won multiple Super Bowls. Um, and clearly, it's just deteriorated for him. And he's got great weapons to work with uh, when they can put down the TikTok. Uh, and he's just not producing anymore. So I think it's time. How old are you, Jerry? I put down the TikTok. Get out of here. That's absurd. Um, <laughs> gotta be on there for two or three hours a day. But anyways, yeah, this is definitely not... It's more of the wash award, not the injury award. I think Breeze uh, is going to retire, according to all accounts. And I don't think he's screwing over the Saints because I think he restructured his contract to only be on the books for like a million dollars. or They have some weird way to get out of that. Um, Cam Newton can't throw, but that doesn't mean he should retire. And yeah, that just leaves Big Ben, really. Like, that guy is so fucking washed up. Um, he had like the best defense in the league last year and couldn't do anything with it. Uh, and like, it's not like he doesn't have a plethora of wide receivers at his disposal, but you know, as a Pats fan, I mean, I, I, I would really hope that he does come back because then uh, Steelers don't really pose a threat. So hopefully he keeps playing for another couple of years, but uh, I think we're all on the big Ben train with that. But now let's turn to a, a more uplifting award here. Uh, instead of these two past downers, the, uh, the best surprise of this football season, we got our boy Tosh from Oregon, Justin Herbert, winning rookie of the year, throwing 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's the most touchdowns ever by a rookie quarterback. This league's been around for a long time. Justin Herbert, way to go, my guy. Now we got the Browns going 11-5. and five. First time making the playoffs since 2003, and they beat their hated Pittsburgh Steelers rival, who we just mentioned, at Heinz Field. They were on the road, and they only lost to the Chiefs by five, so hell of a season out of them. Next, a guy that I've been hating on all year, but does make it into possibly the best surprise of this football season. Josh Allen, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, almost eight yards per attempt, second in MVP voting somehow, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. And he, uh, he led the Bills to the AFC Championship game, so pretty good season. And the last two, we got Justin Jefferson taking over for Stephon Diggs opposite Adam Thielen on the Vikings. 1,000-yard rookie receiving, um, was in the mix for rookie of the year. And then lastly, the Washington football team Making the playoffs, Taylor Heineke giving Brady a little bit of a scare early in that first round. Wasn't wasn't a rollover game. So, uh, boys, who's your best surprise of this football season? So, with the Washington football team, I mean, would they have seven wins? I can't call them the, the best surprise of the season. As much as I was rooting for Heineke to beat Brady in that game, Justin Jefferson, great receiver, but he did this at LSU. He was nice. I think he, you know, he's good. Justin Herbert, Jerry, we saw him at Oregon. We knew he had the potential to do this. I mean, I didn't think he'd be the best quarterback, the rookie quarterback ever, but he, that man's had a cannon since freshman year of college. 
So this brings me down to two candidates. You've got the Browns who won a playoff game um, and Josh Allen. I feel like the Browns are building up for this moment. Um, and I know I didn't see them winning at Heinz Field, but they have a good roster. Their line was dominant. You've got great running backs, solid receivers, a decent defense. So my vote goes for Josh Allen, who came out of nowhere, second MVP voting, Jerry. If I told you this before the start of the season, you would have called me absolutely crazy. I still don't think you should have been the Bills to the MVP championship voting. Game. He, he led the Bills to the championship game. I know they got absolutely smacked in the championship game. It's but still, it's the championship game. 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 7.9 yards per attempt. And if you just watched him, he looks way better than he's ever looked. He's a legit NFL quarterback. Yeah, because he has Stephon Diggs. It's not that complicated. <laughs> so it's still the best surprise. We got another elite quarterback that we're going to be able to watch for the next 15 years dominate the NFC or the AFC East, and I'm excited for that. So my vote is Josh Allen. We're going to split the vote here. I... I'm in agreement. I didn't see this season coming from Josh Allen, but if you project his year one to year two, you could have predicted that he was going to be better in year three. Now, I didn't see him getting MVP votes. Jerry, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't really see why he did get MVP votes despite what a phenomenal season he had. Oh, uh, come on. Have to go. Dude, I mean, he was not as good as Mahomes. Stats-wise, it was clear that he wasn't as impactful. And Rogers. Okay, okay. Rogers well, we're comparing stuff. him to Patrick Mahomes now, so I think I rest my case. I, I'm going to rest my case in a second here because the Browns had not made the playoffs since 2002. The Browns lost OBJ in Week Five. If you had said before the season the Browns are going to make the playoffs, I would have said, "Oh, OBJ must have had 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns." He's out for the entire season. They had multiple COVID scares. They had a rookie coach. They, I mean, you just can't believe them making the playoffs until they actually do it. They, had, they hadn't even had a winning season in 13 years. And I don't care about, you know, talent is great. And obviously they had been building a solid roster for a number of years. But until you go out and prove it, I'm not going to believe it when you have a curse over your franchise. Uh, and then they go out and win a playoff game to boot uh, in Heinz Field, like you said, against basically the team that had been tormenting them for their entire lives. Before this season, Ben Roethlisberger was the winningest quarterback in the history of their stadium. And to exercise those demons against Big Ben just had to be extra sweet. So I'm going to have to go with the Browns here. And the, uh, the Bills made the playoffs twice out of the past three years, including last year with Josh Allen. So obviously, Allen improved tremendously. Can't say enough about it, but I'm still going to have to give the edge to Cleveland. So I'm the tiebreaker then. Uh... No, I can't be the Browns. I mean, they were supposed to be good going 11 and five. Yeah. They had a decent season. Baker looked better than usual, even without Odell. But if I have to pick between the two and it, I can't give it to Justin Jefferson. I got to go uh, Josh Allen on this one. Surprised though. Our boy Herbert didn't get more love. We were expecting it from Herbert. We've seen him at Oregon. That's a Rose bowl champion. He was insane at Oregon. Come on, Jerry. We know that. Now our boy uh, Tyler Shuck is uh, transferring, but that's for another pod. Yeah. So I guess we're giving the uh, the best surprise of the football season to Josh Allen, <laughs> Buffalo Bills quarterback. Uh, we'll be back at it again next year. J-Rob, kick us off with this next award. We've got the worst coaching decision in the 2020-2021, really, NFL playoffs. We have four nominees. All four of them made me so upset. 
Uh, I wrote about them for head scratching moments, but they were more than just head scratching. They really made me upset as a, as a lover of good, clean football. So first we have Mike Vrabel in the wild card round. I still haven't wrapped my head around this. The Titans were down by four points. They were driving. They were about eight minutes, I think, left in the fourth quarter. Need a touchdown. Even a field goal makes it, a, a, you know, a, another field goal game, and you're probably going to get the ball back at some point. They're at the 40-yard line, third and two. They run it to Derrick Henry. He gets nothing. Fourth and two, you think, okay, maybe they throw a quick pass. Maybe they try to trust Henry again. They punt. They punted from the 40-yard line, and he kicks it 25 yards, so he only gets a 25-yard punt out of it. Ravens have a five-and-a-half-minute drive, go down and get a field goal. Titans have to do a two-minute drill, pick, end of their season. I still have not figured out what the hell Mike Brabel was thinking. Uh, similarly to what the heck were they thinking, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, and you know we just sang his praises about the Browns, they had a chance to take down the Chiefs in Arrowhead with the ball, five minutes left, roughly. Uh, they needed a touchdown. They were down five. They took forever to get the first first down, went for it on fourth and one. And then first and 10, I think it was about three minutes left at that time. They go run, short pass, short pass, punt. They never threw the ball at or beyond the first down marker. And Baker Mayfield was playing well. And they just said, you know what? We're going to throw the surrender flag. We're going to punt. And then we all know the story from there. Chad Henney with the magical play. And that's it. Brown Cinderella season up in smoke. Then we have two from the championship round. These two might be the top two, honestly. Uh, Sean McDermott against the Chiefs. He kicks a field goal right before halftime when they were down 21-9. So if you do the math there, uh, the field goal does not get them to within one score. It would have still made it a nine-point game, and it did on fourth and two from the eight-yard line. And then second half, once again, they get down in deep Chiefs territory, needing a touchdown to make it a one-score game with about, I think it was like eight minutes left in the third quarter. And McDermott kicks a field goal again. And then big shocker here, Patrick Mahomes does Patrick Mahomes things. Chiefs go down and get multiple touchdowns, and you lose by 18 points. I, if you're going to try to go beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, you have to be the aggressor. You cannot play conservative football. You cannot sit on your laurels and just assume that you're going to get the ball back with the score remaining the same, and that's exactly what Sean McDermott did. But lastly, and this is my pick, Matt LaFleur. We still haven't wrapped our heads around it. You have Aaron Rodgers, the literal MVP, the best player in football, many would say, this past season. As your quarterback, you have fourth and eight from the eight-yard line, and you kick a field goal down eight points. Now, if you do the math here, Eight minus three is five, so you still need a touchdown if you get the field goal. And if you don't get the first down, or if you don't get the touchdown, excuse me, you would still give the ball to the Chiefs in worse position with more time on the clock, still needing a stop, get the ball back and a touchdown. I still haven't figured out what was going on in his brain. I'm not sure if he failed math class in fifth grade, but I'm giving the award to Matt LaFleur but my opinion is not the only one that matters here. So I'll turn the floor over to you. J-Rob, everyone's, everyone's ragging on my boy LaFleur. And what this came down to was the fact that we needed to score and get the two-point conversion and make a stop, right? Because even if we scored and got the two-point conversion, we still would have needed to stop Brady. 
So instead of what he what he did was instead of needing to get the fourth and eight, which we had just gone or fourth and eight because we were on the eight yard line, fourth and goal. Instead of going for it and not getting it, which we would have been in a pretty bad spot because of that, he decides to kick the field goal. So we don't need to get the two. We needed to get a stop anyways, and we didn't get the stop. Tampa wins. Tampa goes to the Super Bowl. Not the best decision, but either way, needed to get a stop. Didn't get a stop. Um, Say, you know, stop like it's one thing. They would have needed to prevent them from getting one first down versus just needing to prevent them from scoring points. Those are colossally different. They did stop them from getting points, as it turns out. The way it was, they needed to stop them from getting one single first down, which they failed to do. Listen, this is ridiculous. That this is even an argument. It's clearly, I mean, Tosh, how much time have we spent talking about how ridiculously idiotic it was that Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal? Exactly what J-Rob said. You still need a touchdown. You're, you have to either kick it deep to Tom Brady, the GOAT, who you know is going to get it done to get to the Super Bowl. Um, you give the ball back to him. Or you try to get an onside kick, which what is converted maybe like 9% of the time with the new rules the way the NFL are. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And I mean, like you like to say, uh, Alan Lazard out there and um, Marquez Rado Scaling, who are big pieces. So you got to be going for it. It's ridiculous. And Aaron Rodgers is like, are you kidding me, coach? Like, how are we not going for this? I mean, it's just the most head-scratching, worst decision of the entire playoffs. Um just inexcusable, really. Out of Dude, but the crazy thing is, is that the decision would have worked if the referees didn't call holding penalty that they weren't calling all game. So, I mean, we can rag on the floor all we want, but at the end of the day, his decision works if Kevin King doesn't hold the, the receiver and create the first down. And it would it would have worked perfectly. We would have got the ball back. We would have scored. We would have uh, beaten the Bucks, and we would have killed the Chiefs and won the Super Bowl. So my vote goes for goes to Kevin Stefanski. You're punting when you only need a touchdown. You don't need a two point conversion, and you're giving the ball back to Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey. There's no way you're going to stop them. You had to go for that, and uh, my vote is going to Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I mean he gave the ball back to Chad Henney, whereas Matt Lafleur gave the ball back to Tom Brady. So, dude, but we had to give it the ball back to them regardless. Would you rather give them the ball back in a tie game or with Yeah, them you'd rather be tied, not down. Ground. Like, come on, Definitely you be going tied. for the tie at Obvi- that point. You dude, can't obviously be... tied, but I'd rather be, I'd rather, but the no, odds be, were that we weren't going to get it. No, being down three versus eight, like with a minute left when you give it back to Brady is, I mean, I get it that. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Well, you could win potentially if you kick the field goal and then get a touchdown, but you still need a touchdown either way. So I, it's stupid. They definitely should have gone for it. And I think if they go for it and don't get it, they're only marginally worse off than if they uh, kick yep. the field goal. It's such a slim difference. Like they would have had worse field position. Uh, so the Packers would have had a better chance to go down and get a touchdown if they had stopped them, even though they would have still needed a two point conversion. Yeah. So, so Matt LaFleur, congrats on winning the uh, worst coaching decision of the playoffs. Um, but moving from the worst coaching decision of the playoffs to the worst coach who kept his job award, and the nominees are Cliff Kingsbury, who is trying to ruin Kyler Murray. It's kind of crazy that he's still around. Uh, Matt Nagy of the Bears, who was supposed to be a QB whisperer. Fangs, Vic Fangio of the uh, Denver Broncos. And staying in the division here, we got John Gruden of the Oakland Raiders. I mean, $10 million a year. I mean, you could pay a lot of people $10 million a year to get 
that 7-8 win team every year. Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys, once again rearing his ugly head in this category. And lastly, wrapping up with Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks and Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Gents, who should have been fired but wasn't? It has to go to the king, Mr. Handsome, Cliff Kingsbury. I can't figure out for the life of me what his offensive strategy is. Some weeks it's unleash Kyler Murray, let Kyler be Kyler. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a top five, arguably top two or three weapon in all of football. And he's just, it's like a pocket pass, pocket pass, four yard out, third and five. We're going to throw the ball short of the marker to uh, Andy Isabella or whatever. It's just, it hurts to watch on a weekly basis. And the worst part is that Kingsbury comes to this organization as like, Ooh, he's the air raid guy. He's Patrick Mahomes, old coach. And side note, he went under 500 with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback in college, which I still can't figure out how that happened. Uh, and it's so bad. Like he just needs to allow his players to do what they do best. And he's actively holding them up. I think they've led the league in games where they've averaged under five yards per pass for the past two years. So there's a lot of good nominees here, but to me, Kingsbury really, let me tell you something, J Rob, the problem isn't Cliff Kingsbury. The problem is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is five, nine. He can't see over his line. He's super inconsistent. You if mean you like rush Drew Brees him, and Russell Wilson are short? That's a terrible reason to not like a quarterback. Well, dude, those are the two best shortest quarterbacks ever. I mean, you've got so many other short quarterbacks who've never made, made it. Um, Kyler Murray, super inconsistent. If you rush him in the smart way where your rush doesn't go way past him and he just runs up the field, you can you rush contain him. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to beat you. The problem is is uh, Kyler Murray, not Cliff Kingsbury. You've got Matt Nagy, Vic Fangio, those two guys. I mean, their quarterbacks are just so terrible. I can't really blame them. Uh, you've got Mike McCarthy, who did a decent job, honestly, with Dallas after Dak got hurt. I'm going to give him a pass. You've got John Gruden, who, I mean, their defense is just god-awful. I don't know what to like. I can't hate on Gruden too much. My two, what this is coming down to to me is Pete Carroll, who hasn't accomplished anything since the Super Bowl win. Don't forget, he threw it from the one yard when he had Marshawn Lynch. He cost himself a Super Bowl. Uh, how many coaches can you say that for? And then you've got also Mike Tomlin, who how many years in a row have we seen the Steelers collapse in a playoff game where they just look so bad, so unprepared, this is Mike Tomlin's award. He's a terrible coach. It's time to get him out of Pittsburgh, get some new blood in there. Um, I don't care that he won a Super Bowl 12 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago at this point. He, his teams consistently collapse. They consistently don't show up for games in the regular season. Like, what happened in that game against Washington? Why did they lose that? Like, come on, Mike Tomlin. This is your job. This they is your award. Washed. Listen, this is why you can't give it to Mike Tomlin. I agree with you, Tosh, that he is a terrible decision maker. Not a great coach. Don't know how he still has the job. But this season, the Steelers' uh, lack of success was definitely more on Big Ben's broad square shoulders than Mike Tomlin's. Um, you know, Pete Carroll is an interesting one. And we'll get to how I thought the Seahawks were going to be a little bit better, but they weren't as much. Um, but I don't think he should have been fired or let go after, you know, still making the playoffs and then losing to your division rival. Um, on the other hand, Cliff Kingsbury had this team in a position where they easily should have made the playoffs and didn't. 
is squandering Kyler Murray's talent. You have DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray on the same offense, and you can't figure that out? Like, come on. Even the Good Texans respect. could figure that out. So it's got to be Cliff Kingsbury is the worst coach to, get, coach to keep his job. I hope he gets fired. I hope they find somebody that can actually innovate with Kyler Murray and, you know, unleash the true potential that he has. That would be a much better NFL, in my opinion. And and Murray still put up decent numbers, even with Cliff Kingsbury's incompetence. So I'd be very excited to see what he does with a, with a real head coach. All yeah. right. I guess, I guess the worst coach to keep his job goes to Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, well, as much as I as much as I don't think he's a bad coach. Uh we'll see. What we'll see how the coach you think he's good. Uh develop Patrick Mahomes. The, I think Patrick Mahomes won in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. Um I don't I think listen, Patrick Mahomes make a lot of coaches look good. And I, don't, I it was tough to me even make Cliff look good as he went under five hundred with him. So really tough. I mean I mean like you can go under 500 in college football with a good quarterback. If your rest of your team is sucks, like Texas tech does. The whole um, or, or if Mahomes, it's led by cliff Kingsbury, the whole read on Mahomes was that he was un, you know, raw undeveloped, you know, big arm and just, you know, had a lot of untapped potential coming out of college. That doesn't sound like a guy who had a great coach. I mean, he, he put him up to a certain degree. He, he built him up to a certain degree. Um, I just, I think, but uh, before we get to our, our next award, hit that subscribe button. You'll get this pod in your feed every week. You don't have to remember to search it. And also, if you're enjoying this pod, share it on your Instagram story. Share it on your Snapchat story. Share it. And, um, we appreciate it. And as we're trying to grow this, uh, this pod, it definitely helps to uh, have you guys share it to your friends who are big sports fans. So, uh, J-Rod, let's get back to the awards. Next up, we have a personal favorite. This is the funniest quarterback who started a game this year. There are some really strong nominees. There are even some strong honorable mentions. But uh, first of all, we've got Kendall Hinton, who played backup quarterback at Wake Forest for a couple years there. Undrafted, obviously. Signed to the Broncos practice squad, not as a quarterback, but as a wide receiver. And then guess what? The Broncos entire quarterback room, and there were four of them, all get banned for the COVID protocol on one day's notice. I believe they were in a hot tub together. So congrats, guys. Hope that was fun. And Kendall Hinton has to come in, uh, not even on site, doesn't know the playbook, especially as a quarterback, and has to try and complete passes in an NFL game against a really good Saints defense. And I believe he completed one. So that's one. We've got... Big John Wolford. Uh, John Wolford's a nominee because he might actually be good. John Wolford's uh, better than Jared Goff, yeah. Very well might be. And he had his LinkedIn profile uh, set. He had to change it from you know tax accountant or whatever it was to NFL quarterback because he was not playing until the Rams just were like, you know what? Jared Goff's hurt. We need a quarterback. Come on in, John. Uh, sign his ass off the streets. And he was pretty solid. Uh, kind of like if Kendall Hinton were actually good is what happened with John Wolford. Next up, we've got Oregon Stater. So probably somebody you guys are glad to see on this list. Jake Luton of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had, he had a half-decent game. I don't want to say good against the Texans where he ran the ball in for a touchdown at the end of the fourth quarter and then failed the two point conversion to tie. 
The next week, he comes out against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 42% completion rate, 140 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions. And that was the last we heard from young Jake. Next, we have Ben DiNucci of James Madison University, seventh round draft pick this past year, started the season third on the Cowboys depth chart. By week eight, he's your starter. He had some of the ugliest throws we've ever seen against the Eagles on Sunday night football. And when a guy like that struggles in prime time, it really leaves an imprint on your mind. So Ben, congrats on your nomination. And lastly, we've got Garrett Gilbert, who's been in the league for a long time. He was actually at Baker Mayfield's high school as the starter before Baker Mayfield. He got his first NFL start this year for the Cowboys right after Danucci was absolutely terrible. And he goes out and beats the Minnesota Vikings in a game the Vikings absolutely had to have in Minnesota and essentially puts them on their back foot to try and make the playoffs, which of course they ended up failing to do. So those are your nominees. Got some other good ones, but can't really give them for a reason or another. Thought about Chris Streveland, he didn't actually start. So that's about it. Who we got? Uh, J-Rob, you forgot to add in there with the Garrett Gilbert talk that uh, I actually predicted them to win that game in Minnesota. It was uh, they were they were getting like ten points or something. So uh, predicted that victory. One of my be- one of my best uh, picks of the week. If you're listening to the Tosh and Gary Pod, so Garrett Gilbert's a good quarterback. I'm not going to put him in here. Jake Luden representing the Pac-12. Uh, I, I'm a fan of his too. I think he could be decent. John Wolford, I mean, clearly better than Jerry Goff. So uh, take him out of here. Ben DiNucci, God, that guy was terrible. Uh, in prime time too, just such a classic bad quarterback performance. But uh, I think you got to give this award to Kendall Hinton. When we're looking back on this five years from now, we're going to be like, remember that time that the Broncos had to start a practice squad receiver at quarterback? Uh, good times and uh he was so bad and uh the saints were only favored by like 16 in that game and i was like are you kidding me like you've got a freaking bat you've got a freaking wide receiver at quarterback and uh they actually had him like throwing the ball and stuff which surprised me so uh kendall hinton funniest qb to start a game this year the broncos practice squad receiver that's the best they could do shout out uh drew lock and all those other dudes for uh hot tubbing without masks on uh how, how stupid do you have to be to do that but, uh, easily the funniest quarterback starting game was Kendall Hinn. How could it not be? Like, that's the most ridiculous story of all time. Like, and it's crazy because the NFL literally canceled every single other like COVID game except for that when they were like, nah, Kendall, get the fuck out there. Like, show him what you're made of. Uh, he easily takes this award. It's not even close. Well, Jerry just made it funny. I actually thought that was kind of a sad one for a while because he was put into an impossible situation. Uh, and I mean, he did his best. I mean, it's not like he played well at all, but I I didn't think it was funny to see a guy out there getting his ass handed to him by the very talented Saints defense. But uh, when Jerry brings up the Roger Goodell aspect of it, that really puts a smile on my face. Because uh, while I'm at it, fuck Roger Goodell. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, that is exactly what they did. They said, we can't cancel this game because both these teams have already had their bye. And we need to act like things are still okay. So we're just going to make the Broncos play without a quarterback. And it predictably didn't go too well. So there you have it. Moving right along, we've got the Life Comes At You Fast Award. This is a good one. So every once in a while in the NFL, karma really comes around and bites you quickly. 
or sometimes it even plays out over a few weeks, over a full season, but it's always memeable and people always see it happen right in front of their very eyes as football fans. So first nominee, we have Bears receiver Javon Wims. Uh, In November, the Bears played the Saints. Javon Wims punched C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the helmet, which I've never understood why guys try to punch people in the face when they have helmets on. It never works. It's going to break your hand, if anything. He gets ejected. The Bears lose that game in overtime, so maybe he could have helped. I don't know. Then they play the Saints again in the playoffs. There's an easy 50-yard touchdown pass on a really nice trick play that Matt Nagy actually took the time to drew up for once. And he drops it. And then his teammate also decides to punch C.J. Gardner-Johnson in that same game, Anthony Miller. That would be his teammate. And Anthony Miller gets ejected. So Javon Wims, not only making horrible plays on the field, he's rubbing off on his teammates. And side note, apparently this Gardner-Johnson guy is the most punchable guy in all of football. And he's getting really good at drawing ejections. So congrats to him. Next, we have Jamal Adams, a highly prized Seahawks safety, comes over from the Jets in a blockbuster trade. They beat the Rams in week 16 uh, with one of the worst Jared Goff performances you'll ever see. And then in the postgame press conference after the Seahawks had clinched the NFC West, he decided to smoke a cigar in celebration. Here's the problem. He smoked the wrong end of the cigar, so it was not lighting. It was very funny. He was really struggling. Then two weeks later, they get the revenge. The Rams come into Seattle and beat the pants off him, and Jamal Adams didn't really do anything particularly great in that game. Jared Goff was back at quarterback with a broken hand, and the Rams still managed to score 30 points. And Jamal Adams goes yet another season without a playoff win. So congratulations to Jamal. Next up, we've got a a doozy, Juju Smith-Schuster, dancing on teams' logos all season long. His whole team is just a karmic circus. Uh, He's every single week bragging about how they're unbeaten. Chase Claypool, losing, never heard of her. And then they lose two straight games. Things all seem to be going south. But what does Juju do? He still goes into Cincinnati and dances on that logo pregame. Then, first quarter, He catches a pass over the middle on third down, pretty close to that same logo. Gets blown up, fumbles, memes are everywhere. Uh, The Corvette Corvette thing will never go away. Uh, And then they still talk in shit before the playoffs. The Browns is the Browns, uh, and then the Browns beat them. So I'm just going to give it to Juju for his entire season. And then lastly, we've got Kendall Hinton again. Um, life really did come at Kendall Hinton fast. He was, <laughs> he was on the practice squad, on the practice squad the day before the game, and then he has to show up at 6.30 a.m. with his Egg McMuffins to the facility uh, the day of the game to try and learn the playbook with the uh, Broncos coaching staff. Uh, can't have been a fun situation, and he threw two interceptions and only one completion. So I, I imagine there were some good things that came from that experience, but life really still did come at him fast. So those are all right, Jared. Rob, I don't know if life Without can come at you fast and setting the wrong end of your cigar on fire. That's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do kind of want to give it to Kendall Hinn because that came at him really fast, but he did just win an award, and I could easily double down and give it to him. Uh, I, you know, the Juju one's understandable, but I mean, it's really just a matter of whether you are kind of into that kind of thing or, or a hater and J Rob, it seems you're very clearly a hater on that. 
I really don't care. I think it is funny that he got lit up in that game after dancing on all those logos. Um, but it's going to be hard for me not to go with lighting the wrong end of a cigar and then losing to that team two weeks later. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, Jamal, add, what are you doing? Add on to that that he was, quote-unquote, uh, tired of Greg Williams not letting him do whatever he wanted in his system. And then he goes to the Seahawks and uh, plays Bill Belichick in week two. And that was the one game Cam Newton looked like a franchise quarterback because he was because Julian Edelman, washed up Julian Edelman, was just shredding Jamal. Hey, Adams he's not washed coverage. up. He was just injured. There's a difference. <laughs> all right, all right. But anyways, uh, Jamal Adams, an absolute joke. Thanks Seahawks for giving up two first round picks for this guy. Come on now, what are we, what are we doing giving up two first round picks for a safety who can't cover? Who all he can do is rush the passer. Uh, Juju man. He just he just needs to delete his TikTok and focus on football. Uh, Hinton, I mean, we're not going to give him another award. We already gave him an award. This undoubtedly has to be Javon Wims. What the hell are you thinking? Punching a guy on a football field? Everyone's wearing helmets. First of all, like there's no benefit. All you can do is get a 15 yard penalty and get tossed from the game. Like you're not going to actually get into a fight. Um, and then later on in the season, he gets a wide open touchdown, just drops in the end zone. That was just the knife in the back of the Bears. I mean, there was no way they were winning that game. And then Anthony Miller decides to punch Gardner Johnson too. And therefore, they're, they have another receiver who's out of the playoffs. Just game over. Bears lose. Bears still suck. Javon wins. What are you doing? Catch, catch touchdown. Stop punching people. Maybe his hands are sore from punching Gardner Johnson earlier that year or something. But. God, that was pathetic. Well, I guess it comes on to me to break the tie. And first of all, I would have probably voted for Juju. My vote doesn't matter. Jerry's going to say I'm a hater. I'm fine with you TikToking, but if you're going to TikTok, then don't be surprised when people come back and throw it in your face when you do something very memeable. And if you're going to talk shit specifically on TikTok and do things that you know are going to cause a stir, like dance on people's logos... Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not like a traditionalist or anything. I'm not going to say that that, you know, hurts the spirit of the game. But if you do do that, don't be surprised when the other team tries to hit you a little extra hard for it. So that's my, that's my two cents. That's my two cents on Juju. Um, just don't be surprised when life comes back and bites you in the face. But uh, I'm going to have to give it to Adams because I don't think, I think Wims was clearly a moron, but I think the life comes at you fast award really just, there's a lot of karma involved. And I think Adams lighting the wrong end of a cigar uh, in a moment where he was really trying to gloat and just couldn't even get gloating right. And then having it immediately thrown back in his face on his own home field two weeks later. Upseason uh, for him. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So yeah. Jamal, I'm sorry, but you have taken home the trophy for the Life Comes At You Fast Award 2020. Thanks for giving up two first-round picks for that dude, Seattle. You're uh, already regretting it. But uh, all right, moment of the year, guys. Season will be defined by one moment. I mean, we can all think about it back to, uh, you know, the David Tyree catch. We got that. We got... uh, the Mario Manningham catch. We Dude, I can't even avoid Seahawks. that on this pod. Come on. <laughs> we got all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, hype you guys up here. Uh, the uh, we got the the Marshawn Lynch not running it from the one yard line. The Malcolm Butler um, play. Everybody called Marshawn not running it. The Malcolm Butler <laughs> play. The Malcolm but the Malcolm, Malcolm Butler 
we, we got Zero. the Malcolm Butler play. We got last year Jimmy G missing a wide open Emmanuel Sanders down the field to uh, clinch the Super Bowl. So uh, there's always a moment of the year that we'll remember for uh, for years to come. And this year we've got a few nominations. So I think that that Chad Henney passed to Tariq Hill. I mean the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl, but I think we'll all remember that fourth and one. Everyone knows Hill's getting the ball. And uh, Henny just drops back. Hill's wide open. They clinch it. Mahomes is hurt. They're they're onto the conference championship game. Everyone thought that might be the end of the Chiefs. Uh, you've got conference championship game going into halftime. This one this one still hurts a little bit. Uh, Tom Brady to Scotty Miller, fifty yard touchdown right over Kevin King's head. No safety safety's nowhere to be found. Uh, Bucks go up twenty eight ten. Packers can't come back from down uh, 18 at halftime. And you've got a little unconventional one. You've got Tom Brady leaving New England, leaving Bill Belichick and and six Super Bowls behind, going down south, Tampa Bay. He's going to start a new, uh, start from a, from a new team and uh, go to Tampa Bay. No one thought he'd win the Super Bowl. And, uh, and you've also got the Mahomes barrel roll in completion. I mean, this dude makes insane throws, but uh, put up nine points in the Super Bowl. My vote's not for that one. And mm-hmm. uh, lastly, you've got the Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, Hale Murray to beat the Bills, one of their few losses in the regular season. Look like the Cardinals are going to be uh, going to the playoffs in this one but uh, early on in that season, but ended up not happening. So, so- got some good nominations. Uh, Gary, what, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, dude, here's what I'm between, right? Because Usually the moment of the year is like a game-changing play that like changes the season or whatnot, but there's two that stick out to me. The first is the Hail Murray, because that's like by far the craziest play of the season, easily the best catch of the season. Like that changed the outcome of the game um, and the Bills lost. So I I mean I really like that one. But the moment of the year, think about how much doesn't happen if Brady doesn't sign with Tampa Bay. Like Gronk probably stays retired, doesn't come out of retirement. Scotty Miller, we're never gonna hear of that guy. I mean, the Bucs don't even make the playoffs, probably. And we don't see Tom Brady hurl the Lombardi Trophy to Cameron Brait over the water while he's shit-hammered. How could the moment of the year not be all about Tommy Boy getting his seventh ring and deciding to leave New England to go retire down south in the warmth of Florida and bring home a Lombardi to Tampa Bay? I mean, it's got to be Brady signs with the Buccaneers for me. Uh, one sec here, Gerob. Uh, you want to uh, add in a little... Uh, wrinkle to this that happened since we uh since we rewrote these notes and that i think the moment of the year might be tom brady throwing that lombardi trophy across the uh across yeah, the that's water what I'm and across the yeah. water in tampa bay and that's i don't know if you saw how mad the lady was who uh apparently her family makes the trophies or whatnot but guys she hasn't slept for two nights because of what tom brady did so uh, my votes for Tom Brady throwing the Lombardi Trophy across the river in Tampa Bay. I mean, that could have been bad, but uh, you got to trust Brady. Nights. Jets fans haven't slept for 13 years with Brady. I mean, get over yourself, lady. Come on. Yeah. I mean, when I think back on the season, I mean, uh, you often think about the Super Bowl as being the biggest moment of the year. And the reason I even included the the Mahomes barrel roll and completion on this list was because that that's going to be what I remember most from the Super Bowl is the Chiefs being hopelessly outclassed and Mahomes just running around trying to make something happen and just getting denied and no help from his team the entire game. It was just tough to watch. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to give the moment of the year to the Scotty Miller catch. And 
you know, I'll leave it on you guys to break ties here. But that play, I think, you know, without it, the Bucks don't win that game. It was the biggest play of their entire playoff run. It was a terrible coaching moment from Green Bay. It was a big stick your balls on the table moment from Bruce Arians, who I think was vindicated in a lot of ways this year. Uh, and if you're going to talk about a, a playoff run, there's got to be that signature moment. And I really think that was it. So, uh, Tosh, yeah, but- if we're if we're both on this Brady uh, to Cameron Braid over the water, I think you might have to win that one. <laughs> I, I agree. I was going to vote for the Scotty Miller over Kevin King's head, but I mean, come on. Brady throwing the Lombardi trophy over the river in Tampa Bay from his $2 million boat. Like, that's the moment of the year. How can we say that's not the moment of the year? Congrats, touchdown, Tom. Uh, Tampa Bay is in full effect. He's coming back next year. Uh, hopefully he's recovered from that avocado tequila hangover. Uh, congrats. So we're going to wrap things up here. This is our worst takes of the year. And this is really the one where we get to uh, show some humility and show that, you know, we understand that we don't get things right all the time. And sometimes you have to be able to laugh at yourself. So Nominee number one, uh, uh, we're going to say our own here. After week two, uh, you know, the the problem with writing the Tuesday morning blitz is that I put all my thoughts down on paper and I hold myself to put four strong takeaways out there every week. And in week two, I said that this version, quote, of Cam Newton uh, would not only, you know, be a threat moving forward and potentially make a run in the playoffs, but I said that he would make the Browns and the Bucks better teams than they currently were at the moment. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily wrong because that version of Cam Newton did look phenomenal, but clearly that version of Cam Newton was not going to come back ever again. Uh, and COVID really changed his season and he only threw for eight touchdowns as it turns out. So uh, I apologize, Cam, but you would not have made the Browns or the Bucks better teams. Uh, and my other one, which was pretty bad, week eight – So pretty far into the season, uh, the Eagles had just won back-to-back games finally after starting 1-4-1. And And I said, you know what? The NFC East is a total shit show, but the Eagles are going to win this division. And we should all be grateful for it because they've made the playoffs the past couple years. They have a competent head coach, a competent quarterback who's clearly going to be around for a long time. And this team will at least Uh give us a competitive game in the playoffs. And Boy, was I wrong. Everything turned around quick. So those are my two. All I heard all year was how the Eagles are going to win this NFC East from Eagles fans, from non-Eagles fans. And uh, God, they were terrible. Three, was garbage. Four, four wins? I mean, God, the Eagles are horrible this year. And uh, I think looking back on that Cam Newton take, J-Rob, I mean, we were all fooled by Seattle. Their defense was absolute trash, especially early in the season. So when he... Uh, lit up Seattle in century length field. We were all like, wow. I mean, this is the quarterback of the future for the, uh, for the Pats. And that has to be one of my worst takes of the year too. I mean, I thought the Pats were going to be good this year. I thought they weren't going to miss a beat. I thought Belichick was going to make magic out of thin air. Like he always does. And uh, that just was not the case. I mean, they, they look good at times. And then other times their talent level really just showed that, uh, how much cap hell they were in, how much they went all in for those Super Bowls with Tom Brady, and Wait, how even if they're fine on the cap, they just had a terrible quarterback and they lost their quarterback too. No, far. they're fine on the cap going into next season, which I'm really excited to talk about. But no, dude, they were they were pretty salary cap strong without the opt outs and still paying guys 
Uh, and then whenever they did free up cap, it was pretty late and everyone was signed. So I wouldn't say it wasn't necessarily cap hell, but it was cap purgatory for sure. It was, but I mean, there were no good quarterbacks to go out and sign at that point in the offseason. Right. You know, Brady leaves. Uh, like Marcus March. Mariota. No, dude, I don't want Mariota. I just, just had this conversation today how, like, he'd play for three or four weeks and then get hurt. And honestly, his cap, it's super not worth it, so I'm out on Mariota. What, Tyler Heineke, John Wolford? Come on, guys. We could have done better than Cam Newton. I don't think you're going to see either of those guys ever start a full season in the NFL. Cam Newton, they paid him, like, $2 million yeah. in five years ago. It was worth the gamble. It obviously didn't work out. But you're going to tell me that we should have signed John Wolford in the offseason instead of him? Give me a break. All right, but anyways, this isn't a Pat's off-season pod. I'll get back to it here with one of my bad takes. I was all over Seattle all season with a lot of love, saying their defense going to figure it out, Joe, for the playoffs. It never happened. They got smacked by the Rams. Um, you know, at, at one point, though, I will try to say for redeeming myself, I think it was around, like, week 14, 15, I was like, all right, I'm off Seattle. Like, their defense can't stop anybody. Um, but they, they did have me flirting with them all season as my, my darling upset, but that went absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Uh, see, I was never on Seattle, but uh, I, I, let me give you some of my bad takes. I, so I thought Tua was going to be elite. I think you did too, Jerry. I mean, we were both on the Tua bandwagon. We did both like Tua. And uh, Tua sucked this year. I, I mean, I don't care if you think he might be good or if whatever, but he's not athletic. He does not have a good arm and he does not have good size. I don't see how he's ever going to be very good. Uh, so I thought too it would be elite, and that was just a horrible take. I mean, this dude was god awful, and he was the only reason that Dolphins didn't make the playoffs. Got thanks for Ryan Fitzpatrick multiple times. Like it's magic. Come on, baby. Tua, you're a top five pick. You're supposed to be the next, you know, great quarterback coming out of Bama, and God, he was awful. And uh, another bad take. I mean, all my bad takes seem to be coming from the uh, AFC East here. Is I out I mean, of our I, division? <laughs> I thought the Bills were Super Bowl contenders. Uh, I thought, you know, the way Josh Allen was playing and the way that their defense was playing going late in the season, yeah. they were on a roll. Uh, and I thought I tried they were. To tell I, you that one was a bust. For, I thought like, they were way Super Bowl contenders. On. They went into Kansas City and just got their fucking head absolutely chopped. Uh, they did not belong in that game. They were, uh, even though there was what a half stadium in Kansas City full of people. I mean, they were absolutely shell shocked, and uh, they were not Super Bowl contenders. There was three Super Bowl contenders: the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bucks. And uh, and the Bills were not one of those teams. A lot of good, a lot of good nominees out there. Um, I think that a lot of people were fooled into thinking the Bills were Super Bowl contenders. Jerry and I were not two of them. I'm proud to say that. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll let you off. I'll let you off with a pass because so many people were on that hype train as much as I thought it was ludicrous. Uh, and I'm going to give it to myself, honestly. I, I really am. I think that my Eagles take is as bad as it gets. And the Browns and Bucks one that I threw out there was pretty, like, it, the words are funny and obviously it's false, but... I think we were all kind of on the Eagles and the fact that I said that we should be grateful for the Eagles coming to win this division uh, when it turned out that Wentz and Peterson and everyone was just blowing up around that building. Uh, I have to give it to myself. I do just want to push that, back for a second when we were all on the Eagles. I think Tosh and I might have been on the Giants with Danny Dimes. Uh, yeah, me and Jerry I mean, were week to week. Every week at the NFC East, it was okay. Now the football team is going to win it. Now the Eagles are going to win it. Oh, the Cowboys are the clear fit. Like at one point, all four of those teams were a clear favorite. Like hindsight, looking back, the Eagles horrible take. Like they're just a dumpster fire. Doug Peterson, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz. 
Um, I knew Carson Wentz was terrible from the beginning. I've been saying that since the preseason. I'd rather have 20 other quarterbacks than Carson Wentz. Go back and listen to that take. Like I, yeah, you know, all along. That might have that oh. might have been your worst take, J. Rob. But I think collectively our worst take has got to be the, the Patriot take. I mean, we all thought Cam Newton was like the next guy, and yeah, it's pretty bad. We all thought, <laughs> we all thought he was like <laughs> going to be the you know winning Super Bowls with Belichick, and Whoa. he threw for he threw for oh, eight no. touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. Yeah, the pass was pretty games. bad. Although, in our defense, like, after week on. three, it looked good. It looked all right after week three. You know, two wins. I'm not going to give it to us because the week after we made that take, Cam Newton gets COVID. He misses a game. They just forced the Patriots to play that game in Kansas City uh, while half of their team was probably needing to be quarantined. And then he comes back and he has two really terrible weeks where he just looks like he's still struggling to recover from COVID. And then he settles into a perfectly mediocre, unsatisfying, brutal path season. But I'm not going to give us that one because I don't think that – first of all, I never said that they were a Super Bowl contender. I just had high hopes that they might be able to eventually, you know, turn into the old version of themselves. But I was not convinced after week three. I'll uh, tell you what, then. It's looking like the Eagles and winning the NFC East, and they should be grateful for it. Or we should be yeah. – you know, the fans should have been grateful for it. It's pretty, pretty tough then. That's the path thing. That is, I guess, if if you guys want to vote for that, my votes for all three of us saying Cam Newton was a very good quarterback. He's clearly not. But uh, if if Jerry, is that your vote for the Eagles? I mean, listen, I was excited as anybody as Cam to uh, come to the Pats. But yeah, I mean, now I mean, I gotta instead of voting for all three of us to go down with the sinking Patriots ship, which will be righted this off season. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to vote officially for the Eagles winning the NFC East and uh, us. You know, being happy about it. What so. happens when when you're on a pod of two Pats fans? Sometimes you get outnumbered in the uh, <laughs> yep in the negative in the negative Pat stuff. But uh, uh, there are NFL awards, uh, and uh, we had season. a good time. Good time this year, yeah. Crazy season. Shout out Greg Williams. Shout out Big Ben, Josh Allen, Matt Lafleur, and. Uh, uh, Tosh, J. Rob, I don't know if you just uh, heard what happened, but uh, the stove just got turned on. It's heating up a little bit. I think in the coming weeks, uh, the NFL quarterback carousel, the NFL hot stove, is going to be heating up. We'll see about that. But uh, I think I honestly think some of these quarterbacks might be staying who everyone thinks are going to be going. But uh, NFL offseason pod, we'll get to that. I also have a hot take of the week coming out this week. Make sure to check that out. Uh, J-Rob, what else you got going on this offseason? Get ready for the Tuesday Morning Blitz's official NFL uniform rankings. The first edition will be dropping this Tuesday. Uh, We'll be covering the worst eight uniforms in the NFL. Uh, If you find your team on that list, you should write a letter to your team's ownership to immediately switch the aesthetic compilations that you've got going uh the friday stock watch will still be in full effect uh for the foreseeable future uh every friday morning and then as soon as mlb starts to get heated up we've got some special uh either monday or tuesday columns coming to recap some of the best things news and notes going on around the mlb so get excited for that awesome can't wait for those jerry Good podding with you. Uh, uh, anyone add? Dude, the uh, NBA season full swing. Can't wait to get into that with you soon. 
Yes, sir. NBA pod coming up soon. But uh, guys, thanks for listening to the Tosh and Gary pod. Make sure to check out 2TVSports.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We'll be back next week with another Tosh and Gary pod.